go. So I'm here. Good to see you all today. Well, there's a story of a little girl named Hannah. She was five years old, and she had just become a believer in the gospel. And she told her mother something very concerning. She said, I think Jesus has moved out of my heart. You don't want to hear that, do you, all right? Moved out of my heart. And the mother was very concerned, and she was curious, and she said, well, where has he gone, Hannah? And she said, he has moved to my throat, because all I want to do is tell people about Jesus. Seems simple, natural, doesn't it, right? If Jesus is in our heart, he won't just stay there, he will abide there, but he will then go through our throat, out of our mouth. But sometimes it seems more difficult. Who do we tell it to? Where do we go? Where's God telling us to go? If you have children or grandchildren, you may be familiar with the, the Disney movie Frozen. Frozen's a movie about two princesses, Elsa and Anna, and I've only seen it probably about 50 times, unfortunately. And they've lost their parents in a terrible accident. And it's a story about how Elsa, who has these powers that she can't control. Uh, she grows to understand how to use her powers, and then she grows into being the queen that she is called to be. But then in the sequel, Frozen 2, which made even more money than the first one, right? Elsa hears a call. That's how they describe it. It's, it's this, this musical voice out in the distance, and it's calling her. And it calls her into the, the song that was written that made also millions of dollars called Into the Unknown. Called her Into the Unknown. And, and most of the movie is her trying to figure out where the call is coming from, leading her into the unknown and telling her what her purpose is. Now Disney, either knowingly or unknowingly, borrowed this idea of calling from the Christian faith. There is the gospel call by which God calls people to believe in Jesus, calls them to follow him. And then there is a, a more functional call. What has God called you to do as a believer? Where has he called you to go? Many times as we're going to see, uh, when God does call you to go somewhere, whether it be a, a short-term mission trip, whether it be a, a career change, whether it be a, a reorientation of your life, it's often into the unknown. We see this all throughout Scripture. We see this when God called Abraham. He said, go. I'm not going to tell you exactly where or when or how, but go. God doesn't give us all the details. He wants us to trust him because, quite honestly, if he gave us every detail of every step on the way, it would scare us to death. So he just tells us to go. And he often does this when he wants us to share the gospel with others. We're in Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 6. And they, being Paul and his companions, they, they went through the region of Ferga and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, Passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. 
And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Verse 11. So, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we remained in this, this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Father in heaven, as we continue to worship you today, show us today how we would know where to go, what to do when you put gospel opportunities in front of us. Father, we humbly acknowledge that not all of us are called to be full-time missionaries. But Lord, if we know you, there will be times where you lead us into unknowns. Because we're living our life, not just for ourselves, but for your kingdom. So Father, help us see where you're leading us and where you're showing us to go in our own lives. Lord, I, Lord, I, I pray that my words are yours today, that you fill me with your spirit, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to show you today three things about taking the gospel to your unknown. Three things about taking the gospel to your unknown. Number one, know where the spirit is not sending you. Number one, know where the spirit is not sending you. In order to know where we're going, we have to go where we're not going. Many times on the weekends, my wife and I will say, well, where would you like to go eat tonight? And we'll name about six or seven places we're not going. Right? And then we, by process of elimination, we'll say, okay, I guess we'll, we'll go to this place. Right? So, so know where the Spirit is not sending you. Verse 6 said, they went through the region of Persia and Galatia. The Holy Spirit had forbidden them to go to Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them again. So a little background, Paul, Silas, and Timothy are on a missionary journey. And their missionary strategy was to preach the gospel in what was considered an important city where they would go. And usually these cities were commercial centers or administrative centers. And through these channels, if the gospel took root among those in influence, then it could influence the rest of of the regions. It's very similar to kind of what uh, even our North American Mission Board's mission is. They pick 30 or so in large urban areas without a lot of gospel presence, and they start there hoping that as they reach those urban areas like New York and 
Los Angeles and Detroit and, and, and all these places where there's not a lot of gospel presence, uh, that it can then flow down through the region. This is what Paul and Silas and Timothy did. And it seems that Paul had, had planned to go west to, to possibly Ephesus, which he eventually reached on his third missionary journey. But at this point, the Spirit stops him and redirects him. And they ministered in Persia and Galatia. And then they attempt to go to Bithynia, and God stops them again. Not once, but twice. He says, nope, not going there. And he goes over here and says, nope, not going there. It's kind of like what happens when I let my dog in the house. She tries to go in one bedroom. I say, no, you're not going there. And she tries to go in some other room where she's not allowed. And I say, no, you're not going there. Back on the couch, <laughs> which she's taken over anyhow. God had a plan for Paul his companions, as to where they would share the gospel. But Asia was not it. Bithynia were not part of that plan. One major aspect of why you were on this earth and why you live where you live is because God has chosen to put you there. And what you're doing right now is no accident. Sometimes we, we seek to know God's particular will for our lives. Perhaps we're praying about a, a job change, or perhaps we're praying about a relationship. We're praying about a schooling opportunity. Our graduates will be presenting at the end of the service. Uh, they, they will have hopefully some idea of what's next. And many of them know where they're not going. Sometimes they're not sure where they are going. But many have been praying about that. But if you're a believer... Know that in your decision-making and in God's plan for you is always a missional component. Always a faith component. You are a, a witness to the truth of the resurrection of Jesus. I'll be amazed when I just go to certain places uh, around town or different places where people don't know who I am. If I get talking to somebody very quickly, it pops up where I let them know I'm a pastor or something like that or Tell them about the church very easily because, not that I force it, God just presents opportunities. And, 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 and it just comes up in the natural conversation. So part of where you go and what you do, God has in mind who you can share Jesus with. And he has that in mind whether you have it in mind or not. So all that being said, sometimes God won't allow certain things to happen in your life or won't allow you to go certain places because that's not where he wants you on mission. Well, before God led me to Monk's Corner in August, it'll be nine years, which is hard to believe. Uh, maybe not for you, but it is for me. <laughs> uh, but before he led me here to Monk's Corner, you know, I went through a period where I was praying about uh, what kind of doctoral degree to pursue. This is before, of course, I was in Monk's Corner. And I, and I wasn't sure if God wanted me to stay pastoring, which I was pastoring wasn't sure if he wanted me to perhaps teach full-time, maybe in a Christian college or seminary. And so I, I, I prayed, and, and through prayer and circumstances, God said no to the academic world. And by saying no, God reinforced what I was to continue doing, to, to stay in pastoral ministry. My calling was to reach people with the gospel, to make disciples primarily through the local church, but he had to show me that the other path, the other thing I thought might be happening was blocked before he then could say, here's where you're going, what you're doing. Many times that happens to you as you will seek out 
God's missionary plan for your life? Where is God not using you? You probably know that without thinking much, right? Not too hard for you to think for some of you. Where is God not using you? God will not make that plain. So know where the Spirit is not sending us. Number two, know where the Spirit is sending you. Know where the Spirit is sending you. Verse 8 says, So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Now at this point, they didn't know where they were supposed to go. They just kept going down the road. God kept saying no and no. They said, okay, well, we'll go this way. No, okay, we'll go this way. No. Now, now they, didn't, they didn't just pack up and go home. They didn't quit going. They didn't say, well, listen, the Lord keeps telling us no. We're just going to quit and go back. No. They just kept going to the next road and kept going to the next road. And then finally, verse 9, a vision appears to Paul the night. A man of Macedonia, not like the Macedonia we have across the tail race, not that Macedonia. Very different place, although we love that Macedonia. Different Macedonia was, was standing there, urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, God will not always send you a vision like this, but he did to Paul, and he made it extremely clear. Somehow Paul knew the man was Macedonian. We're not sure how, maybe in his accent, maybe in his clothes, but he knew. And they said, come over to Macedonia, to where we live, and help us. And Paul had seen the vision. Immediately, he says, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to him. Now, look what he says. He says, they concluded that God had called they didn't say, come preach the gospel to us. He said, come to Macedonia and help us. Help us. Didn't say, tell us about Jesus. But they needed help. Now, that word for help in the Greek does have this component of needing spiritual help. But that's what they're asking. They didn't really quite know what they needed. But they know they were missing something. So they concluded they would preach the gospel there. And that's the thing about visions and dreams. They're still subjective on some level. And Macedonia could be an intimidating assignment. It was the birthplace of Alexander the Great. You may have heard of him. Empire he built was Macedonian. So God was sending them to a place with historical great influence, a place that desperately needed the gospel, but a place... Uh, that wasn't some backwater town or backwater area. or it, it was a place with tremendous cultural influence. And Paul and Timothy and the group were probably a little intimidated to go there. But they decided to go. And they obeyed and they went. And they knew very clearly where God was now sending them. There's a story of a missionary in Africa told of an elderly woman, an African, who was, who was reached with the gospel. She came to faith in gospel. She was blind. She couldn't read. She couldn't write. But she wanted to share her faith with others. So it's kind of hard when you can't see who you're talking to. You can't write down the gospel and give it to someone. Right? So where are your opportunities? So she went to that missionary 
And she asked for a copy of the Bible in French, which was the language they spoke. And when she got it, she asked the missionary to underline John 3.16 in red. And then mark the page it was on so she could just open her Bible and find it and point. Well, the missionary wanted to see what she would do. So one day he followed her. And in the afternoon, just before the local school let out, she made her way to the front door of the school for the young children. And the boys came out when school was dismissed. She would stop one and ask if he knew how to read French. And when the little boy said yes, she would ask him to to read the verse that was marked in red. (laughs) And then they would read it. And then she would say, do you know what this means? And then she would tell them about Christ. Well, the missionary said that 24 of the school boys that the lady led to Jesus, 24 went on to become pastors in that area. It wasn't hard, was it? What's that, what's that verse say? Can you read that for me? Do you know what that means? Let me tell you about Jesus. It's not that hard, is it? Jesus was in her heart, came out of her throat, even though she was blind, couldn't read, couldn't write. See, this woman knew exactly to who she was sent. And she knew what she was supposed to be doing. She didn't go any, undergo any missionary training. She didn't go into Richmond and have some International Mission Board assessments. <laughs> she got a Bible. She had somebody underline John 3.16, and she made people read it. Where is God calling you? You don't have to do something incredible to lead, but many times when you do what God's called you, the results are incredible, as we see with this. Look for where the Spirit is sending and opportunities you may have. And number three, look for those opportunities that the Spirit sends us. We've got, we got to know where He's not sending us. Then we've got to know where He is sending us. And then once we know that, then we look for opportunities. So, verse 11, they set sail from Troas, and they made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which you may have heard of because of the book of Philippians, which was a leading city of the district of Macedonia and Roman colony would remain in this city someday. So not only did they go to Macedonia, an influential region, they didn't go to an influential city of Philippi. In fact, actually, Philippi was named after Alexander the Great's father, uh, father, Philip of Macedon. So again, a lot of history, a lot of influence, a major economic, a major social hub to the rest of the region. And it was a wealthy area with hardly any Jewish influence. Hardly any Jewish influence. And we'll know how we know that, I'll tell you in a second. And no Christian influence. See, many times they would enter a region and they would try to find some Jews and they would say, hey, we we were Jewish too, or some of us were. Then they would share Christ with those Jews and many of the Jews would come to faith. And to do that, they'd have to go to a local synagogue. But apparently... There wasn't a synagogue in Philippi, which meant there weren't at least 10 Jewish men. The minimum number of Jewish men in a region to start a synagogue was 10. So there was no synagogue. So they went to where they assumed that there were Jews in the area, 
They, they would be praying, and that would be down by the river. And as they went to pray, God gave them an opportunity. So even though there was no synagogue, they said, well, if there's believers here, here's where they'll be. It's the time of day where Jews pray. We're going to go there. Verse 13, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed, again, they didn't know, God didn't tell them exactly where to go, but they supposed there was a place of prayer, and there was, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. Now, conspicuously absent from this were men. This was not a Jewish culture. But these women had some type of Jewish influence if they were praying, some type of influence. They kind of knew who God was. Verse 14, and one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city, Thyatira, seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. That phrase, worshiper of God, meant that she wasn't Jewish, but she hung out with the Jews. She believed in the God of the, the Jewish Bible. But she had yet to hear the gospel. Last week we talked about how you have to hear the gospel. You have to hear the news to know the news. You have to hear the news to know who won the game. If no one tells you, you don't know who won. She's doing her best to worship God, but she's never heard about Jesus Christ. So it says that the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Don't underestimate that. The Lord has to open people's hearts to even pay attention to you. To even pay attention to when you share the gospel. That's why we pray for opportunities. Lydia was ready to receive the message. Paul and his companions were ready to deliver it. And as she was down there by the river, doing whatever she was supposed to be doing down there, these men come to her, which has been a little awkward, not as awkward in Greece. She listened to them. And we know that because she sold purple goods, she probably was part of the cultural elite. She probably was not a poor, needy woman. She probably was wealthy. She made clothes for the highest nobles, the kings, the rulers. So she probably did pretty well. She was a God-fearer, and she was ready to listen. Verse 15, and she was baptized in her household as well. And she urged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So she was a woman of influence, and it seemed that she was even the head of her household, which is interesting. And Paul and the three other men, they looked for an opportunity and they found one. They found one. You know, I'm sure they weren't thinking, you know, let's just get to Philippi. And let's just go try to find a woman who makes clothes. <laughs> that's not what they were thinking. I'm sure that's not who they had in mind. They looked for opportunities, and there they were. And they shared Jesus with them. Where are your opportunities? Well, in the 1840s, a pastor named John Getty, he was pastoring a church in Canada, a great pastor, right? pretty much a civilized place. 
And he and his wife and his two small children set sail to the New Hebrides Islands, 20,000 miles away. Can you imagine? It's a long boat ride. This chain of islands was violent. There were cannibals. And more than 20 crew members of the ship had been killed or of another ship had been killed and eaten just months before they arrived. So they, they knew what they were getting on, right? Can you imagine bringing your, your two children to that situation? Many, many of you, many myself even, would probably tell them, hey, you don't need to do that. That's crazy. You've got children to raise. Canada's great. <laughs> Stay here. But that's not where God had called them. They faced the difficulty of learning a language that had no written form. They were under the constant threat of being killed. Slowly, at first, they had a few conversions to Jesus. And then many more received the gospel. And he continued his ministry, including translating the entire Bible into the native language and planted 25 churches over the years. And for many of those years, this pastor labored with little help Little word from home. There was no internet. He had no idea what was happening back in North America. But God was faithful to his servant. And in the pulpit of the little church that he pastored for so many years there in the islands is a plaque in his honor which says this. When he landed in 1848, there were no Christians here. And when he left in 1872, there were no heathen. over 20 years, pastor gets a call of God to go somewhere where he was under constant threat. People did not want him there. And by the time he left, there were no lost people. Right? We all would have told him he was crazy. We all would have said, don't you do that. Oh, God will send someone else. Where is God sending you? Maybe it is just to walk across the street and ask people to read John 3.16. Maybe it is somewhere incredible that you can never imagine. Where is he not sending you? Where is your mission field? And as we close today, I challenge you to pray for the opportunities and be mindful to look for those opportunities as they come. Lord, we thank you so much uh, for what you've given us, Lord, in Christ Jesus today. As we close our time together, Lord, I, I pray that there's one in here that's never placed their faith in Jesus that they would today. And for those of us that know you, that have him in our heart, that you would leave our heart, come up to our throat so that we could tell others about Christ, that you would give us opportunities Put people in our paths as we're going every day to share about Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ by which any who believe in, in your work on the cross are saved. And Father, as we close our time together, that you would show us a little bit every day about where our mission field is where our unknown is, that you would make it known. 
Father, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.